Welcome to Coffee Up by Market Lane Coffee, a podcast for our growing coffee community of like-minded businesses who wish to serve delicious, sustainable, and ethically sourced coffees. My name is Christian. In this series, we'll be covering the countries of origin from where we source our coffees. Market Lane's goal in every country is to build long-standing and equitable relationships with dedicated coffee producers who share our values and obsession with quality. Our coffee buying team laid the foundations in establishing and maintaining these relationships. Ethiopia is the birthplace of coffee and has deep cultural significance for its people. It is often recognized for its incredibly fruit-driven body and floral characteristics. In this episode, Tyson catches up with Jason, one of the founders and directors of Market Lane Coffee. Jason heads up the coffee purchasing in Ethiopia and sits down to share his experiences with us. Together, they'll cover the landscape of Ethiopian coffee, the regions which we source from, and the stories of the people we partner with who produce the coffees we love. So Jason, when was your first trip to Ethiopia? It was pretty early on. I went in 2014. Uh, we were buying coffee from Ethiopia with Dorman's Coffee. Dorman's is based out of Kenya, but they were pushing a, a strong sort of specialty coffee program in Ethiopia at the time. Uh, this was around 2014. Uh, I was lucky enough to travel with Paul Geishos from Mecca and also Mia, who was working with Dorman's at the time. And we had a really nice trip. We went out to the so Bali Mountains. We went down to Yogeshef. Uh, we stayed on Lake Awasa. Yeah, it was a really nice trip. Went to some of the big older washing stations like Duramina and Yukro and stuff like that that uh, we've bought from in the past. And then I believe you followed up uh, a couple of years later. So a couple of years later, 2018, we started changing the way we purchase coffee from Ethiopia. Um, we changed exporters from Dormans to a much larger company called Sukafina. Sukafina is a very well sort of integrated company that goes from you know commodity trading to managing you know small teams of agronomists on the ground all over the place all over the world actually and in Ethiopia they were trying to develop a specialty coffee program uh, and our friend Mia who was working at Dorman's went over to Sukafina and started working for Sukafina in Ethiopia developing specialty coffee and working with agronomists and smallholders to develop quality and develop relationships for her customers like us yeah. so um, we were lucky to sort of start with her pretty early on and uh, we had some great coffees and started some really nice relationships with good exporters cool and um and then you went back later in 2018 didn't you yeah i went twice in 2018 the first time uh there was a bit of political unrest in the country so i was sort of stuck in addis um for you know the entire time that i was hoping to get out to the country and see some of the washing stations and talk to some of the people we work with but it was actually a good trip in that i did get to see a lot of the sort of the nitty-gritty stuff that I probably would have missed if I had just gone out to the country. So I met with Hele um, Gebra from Mordkoff. Uh, he has a new mill in, in Addis, and I got a really nice tour of that. I spent a lot of time talking with Testy Coffee, who's one of the exporters we work with, and understood their business a lot better and uh, formed better relationships and met a few new importers, uh, new exporters as well, um, Tade Gigi and a few other people. So it was a bit sad to not get out to the country, um, but it was good in that I got to spend a lot of time with the exporters and really get to know them. So yeah, we made a plan to go back later in the year during harvest. Um, so we wouldn't be able to taste any of the coffee, but we'd be able to go out and see coffee being picked, talk to the people in the field while they're there and yeah, have more of a uh, organic sort of feeling trip, you know? Um, yeah, nice. So I went with uh, Miller, who's our um, head of staff at Market Lane. It was her first trip to um, Origin and it was pretty spectacular. Like we got to uh, visit a few different areas of Ethiopia 
uh, we went out to Jima to visit Limukose and we went down south to Shikiso in um, Gucci and got to visit a few washing stations there. So it was a really special trip. Ethiopia is often referred to as the birthplace of Arabica coffee. And we know that coffee plays a big part in the lives of a lot of Ethiopians. But I was hoping you could maybe tell us a little bit more about the cultural and historical relationship that Ethiopians have had with coffee over the years. Yeah, it's quite old and it's it's changed quite a bit uh, over the years. Coffee historically was grown, is grown in Ethiopia by smallholders, so people who own very small parcels of land. They grow the cherry and then they sell it to a washing station or they contribute to part of a cooperative or a growers association. So it is really small scale. Uh, the, the, other, the flip side of that is that it's a really populous country. So there's 100 million um, residents in Ethiopia. It's very large and a lot of them work in agriculture and a lot of them grow coffee. So there's this huge base of sort of coffee production done by by people um, contributing to, to different areas. So in some ways there's not a lot of transparency as to who is actually growing the coffee. I'm happy to say it's changing a little bit but I, I think we'll talk about that maybe a bit later. But yeah, it's meant that the coffee has been marketed generally in terms of regions rather than individual farms or estates as it, as it is in you know Guatemala or Brazil. And that's sort of been helped along by the way that Ethiopia, the government and the administration has been wanting to sell and market Ethiopian coffee. And that's through regions rather than through individual farms or washing stations. So that's why you see a lot of coffees just labeled as Yogeshef or coffees just labeled as uh, Limu, Kosa or Limu. They're referring to regions rather than specific washing stations or, um, or farms, as it were. I can't help but kind of be a bit excited to see what comes, you know, if we do end up getting more transparency through Ethiopia, where we can see some more, you know, micro lots from private growers. And uh, yeah, we've just started seeing that. The Cup of Excellence, um, its first Cup of Excellence happened in 2020, and the second one in 2021 is uh, about to take place. The quality of coffee coming out is um, just astounding. Like, it is really mind blowing. There's just such a huge uh, potential in Ethiopia. There's so many people growing coffee with, and some of them have farms that are big enough to produce small lots. But the sort of the, you know, the giant coffee machine of Ethiopia really has been set up to to service, you know, full container loads of coffee. So 18 tons of coffee at a time rather than just small holders who might have 30 or 60 bags. But those small lots would be really special for, you know, cafes or even small roasters in Melbourne would, you know, be very, very excited as we are to, yeah. you know, to, to, to taste something that's a really unique slice of Guji or Limu or something like that, like a really tiny parcel of that rather than the larger sort of bulk a lot. So what can you tell us about the role that coffee plays in Ethiopian culture? Yeah, so it plays a, quite a big part. They have um, coffee ceremonies where they will have, you know, green coffee and they will have, you know, ritual of roasting it basically just in a pan on the fire and then um, pounding it in a big mortar and pestle and then serving it. And um, the whole thing's quite special and they take a lot of time and care in every step. So it's not just making a, a coffee in a cafe, but it's the whole, mm. the whole process of roasting, grinding and, you know, brewing coffee and then serving it is part of this um, Ethiopian coffee ceremony that they, that they do. The history of roasted coffee in Ethiopia is relatively young I guess so roasted coffee was found a bit earlier in Yemen and the Arabian Peninsula and that has a little bit to do with why Yemen has been confused as being the birthplace of coffee but actually it's Ethiopia but Ethiopia does seem to have a very long history of uh, coffee consumption but maybe more so in cherries or in um, using the coffee cherry to flavor food or use as a sustenance food rather than as a um, as a roasted you know seed to make a beverage out of. 
Yeah, wow. So I guess we look at things now like using the cascara or the flowers and think of these as being new things, but they were probably being uh, consumed in some way, shape or form. Yeah, they're new to us, but they're very old. Jason, let's say that you're working a shift in one of your cafes and a customer comes up to you, they're looking to buy some beans for home, but they've never tried Ethiopian coffee before. Uh, How would you describe what a great Ethiopian coffee tastes like? Well, firstly, I would say they're really floral. So they're one of the few places that they consistently produce really floral and sweet um, cups of coffee. So I think that's really interesting. If we had some natural processed coffees, I'd probably talk about it being floral, but also quite jammy or quite fruity as well. If we had a washed Ethiopian coffee, I'd probably just stick to it being really floral and delicate. I'd describe it as having some, you know, black tea or bergamot flavors, sometimes ranging to sort of apricot jam or stewed fruit flavors as well. In an earlier podcast, uh, when I caught up with Fleur to speak about Guatemalan coffees, uh, you know, we went into detail on Guatemala's, uh, I guess, eight defined growing regions that Anna Cafe have set out. Does Ethiopia have any defined regions like Guatemala for coffee growing? Yeah, so Ethiopia, if you imagine Africa is on the east side of Africa, um, the Horn of Africa as it's called, it's surrounded by Kenya, Somalia, um, South Sudan, Uganda, Tanzania, and then Djibouti on the on the sea, on the coastal side. And if you're looking at it, Addis is pretty much central in Ethiopia. And then if you draw a line going southwest from um, Addis down to um, Sudan, you're basically drawing a line along the Rift Valley. And the Rift Valley keeps going uh, all the way from the sea through Ethiopia to Kenya um, and then further to finally into Lake Victoria. So it's quite a large sort of geographical feature of East Africa. And now we find a lot of the coffee regions growing on either side of the Rift Valley. So at the top of the Rift Valley, the elevations are a bit too high for coffee and the bottom of the Rift Valley, the elevations are a bit too low for coffee to grow. As we go sort of, you know, you drive Southeast along the Rift Valley to Owasa, um, coffee is grown on the Western side and also on the Eastern side. On the Eastern side is um, basically Sidama. So we have um, areas like Guji, Yogeshev and the Ballet Mountains. And then on the western side is the sort of the more rainforesty side. It feels like the older sort of uh, coffee region side. There's a few very old forests where they've sourced a lot of the genetic stock for um, like disease resistant research. But there are areas like Jimma um, closest to Addis. And then further as you go west, it's like Ninkemte and Gambella, Bench Maggi, uh, all the way out to Sudan basically. We typically purchase coffees from just the Guji region in uh, Sidama, so Guji, Yoga Chef, sort of around Shikiso, and then also just around Jima, like a few areas around Jima. But Ethiopia is enormous and there's a lot of coffee there. Um, so we're really only scratching, scratching the surface. Um, there is another part of Ethiopia that um, produces coffee out in the eastern, eastern side, so closer to the um, Arabian Gulf, and that's called Harar. Quite a bit warmer there, it's quite dry. Um, they typically produce natural processed coffees, but they're you know, fairly intense sort of um, very rich coffees. The way that we describe where coffee's from in Ethiopia is a little bit complicated because the area of, say, Sadamo, for example, encompasses Yoga Chef, it encompasses Guji, it encompasses, you know, Benza and things like that. So um, it is a little bit complicated. We try and get closest to the most relevant sort of area for the coffee. So, for example, we'll say, you know, Guji or we'll say Shikiso to when we're talking about Mordkoff or Momoro. 
So uh, looking now towards coffee varieties, for the longest time, you know, we have often seen Ethiopian varieties just classified as heirloom varieties. And we've seen this and we've written this on our, on our own bags, but we're starting to see that change and we're starting to be a lot more specific now. What's changed? What's different? Yeah, well, we're getting better information is what's what's changed. So heirloom is still technically correct to describe coffee varieties growing in Ethiopia. So um, we used it to describe either coffees that have been selected from a local forest and then planted by a smallholder on their farm, which is quite common. Um, that's one type of sort of, you know, heirloom coffee. And another type is a, is a larger sort of selection made by the government. So there's a research facility out in Jimma that in the uh, in the seventies made a number of selections from uh, forests. They went out and picked a lot of different looking coffee plants and uh, test planted them and found the disease resistant types and um, types that had a special cup profile types that were more resistant to drought or fungus or things like that. Then they selected a few for different regions and named them and numbered them. And there's a whole big catalog. They, they ended up with about fifty selections. And the government sanctioned and had a, a very active program of taking these varieties out to different areas and distributing them for the producers to grow. Mm. So we see in areas, for example, Jigesa, um, we know that the government distributed a lot of variety 74110 out to um, around that washing station Jigesa. Yeah. So the prominent variety out there is this you know, Jimma Agricultural Research Variety, or JARC, mm. JARC Variety 74110. Now, we don't always have great information as to whether it's, you know, the only sort of variety planted, but being there, you can sort of see if the plants are very similar or if they're a little bit different. And, yeah, depending on the place, we get better information as to what varieties are planted out there. I guess it's probably hard, uh, you know, on a, on a farm level to tell, you know, what varieties you have, because if I understand correctly, a lot of the varieties can make their own, you know, almost hybrids by themselves. Yeah, in certain areas, I think that's true. But I mean, a lot of, a lot of Ethiopia is not necessarily like first growth coffee forest region. There are those forest regions out in the far west, like Nkempte and Benjmaji. There are, two, I think, two or three forests that they do make these selections of coffee varieties from. So around those areas, then definitely it would be, you know, it would get a little murky as to what they're growing. Yeah. Um, but for example, in the Bali region, the Bali mountain regions, they're basically bringing coffee from the western parts of Ethiopia, um, either from the Jimma Agricultural Research um, Center or from somewhere else. And they're pl like actively planting it out in the in the Bali region. So uh, for those, it's a fairly specific variety and, you know, a discrete sort of variety. I should also say it's really different to the rest of the world where South America, Central America, where, you know, they're planting coffee varieties from a very discrete selection of, um, you know, mother plants, you know, they're either Bobon types or they're typical types. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. But in Ethiopia, it's a much sort of wider genetic pool of coffee that's planted out. Now, you mentioned that uh, some coffees in Ethiopia are washed and some are naturally processed. Are these the two main ways that coffee is processed in Ethiopia? They are, yeah. So, and, and broadly, again, the eastern parts of Ethiopia, the drier parts, will predominantly have um, natural processed coffee, dry processed coffee. And then the western parts or the highland parts will have washed processed coffee. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is that, you know, in the 70s and 80s, they found that washed processed coffees fetch a slightly higher price than natural processed coffees. Um, it's less risky, it's safer. Um, and because there's an abundance of water and it's fairly easy to do, a lot of the coffee in Ethiopia is washed. Yeah. We do see on the flip side, we, we are seeing some 
small lots from say Guji is natural process and we've found that the quality of these ones are you know really incredible they've been able to do a really great job of drying them carefully and making selections carefully enough to produce a really stunning cup of coffee yeah on that note, I think looking at our, at our offer list for this year, we have um, you know quite a high number of naturals coming through, which is... It's definitely unusual for Market Lane. Traditionally, we've just purchased washed coffee from Ethiopia. But the, yeah, as I said, the quality coming out of these newer natural processed coffees, especially from the smallholders, has been incredible and we're really, really excited to, to offer them. So historically, uh, most of Ethiopian's coffee has been sold through the Ethiopian Commodities Exchange or the ECX. But in recent years, these laws have been changing and there's been a bit more of a relaxed approach. How has it been different, I guess, buying coffee before these changes and then after? So we have cha- we've changed the way we buy coffee. Um, when we first started out, we were buying exclusively from Macanta. Um, Macanta is a, a, a coffee brokering company based in the UK, and they would be sourcing coffee from different exporters in Ethiopia and basically choosing them and doing a lot of the hard work for us and then basically just selling them to us. At that point, when we were purchasing through Macanta, they were buying coffee through the e- ECX. So they would be going through tasting at auctions, not really knowing where the coffee coffee came from, what it was, they would know that it's a grade one yoga chef and that it tasted good and the price was good. And that's pretty much it. Over the years, it has changed a little bit. So even back then, it was possible to, apparently it was possible to to have a little bit of transparency and that you could sort of taste a coffee on the table and then find out, you know, the, the lot number and track it through the ECX and then pick it up on the other side. So you still had to purchase it through the ECX, but you were able to sort of navigate your way through the murky waters of the commodity exchange and then actually get the the, the proper lot on the on the end of that. Slowly it's changed. Um, I think 2016 or 2017 was the first year you could buy directly from, um, from exporters in Ethiopia. That allowed, you know, companies like Testy Coffee to purchase um, washing stations, to purchase, you know, tracts of land, produce coffee, and then just export it directly to people like McCanter and also people like us now. So... Mm-hmm. The way that we purchase coffee now is that we talk to a number of different exporters. Um, some of them are landholders themselves. So Mordkoff owns quite a bit of land. They also purchase cherry from local landholders in the area. And they're an exporter, so they do they do quite a lot. Yeah. And we work with uh, Sukafina, as I mentioned before, but they work as more of an intermediary. So they do things like managing the logistics, making sure that the exporters are delivering the coffee on time, coordinating the actual export of the coffee from, from each one of those exporters to us. Mm. And because Ethiopia is, you know, reasonably new at dealing with small amounts of coffee, so, you know, 100 bag lots or so, yeah. It's really important to have as many eyes on the ground as, as you can get in Ethiopia. And uh, historically, it's yeah just been a, a bit of a challenge to, to get you know, coffee out of mm. Ethiopia. So. And uh, what, what are the main benefits of us being able to buy in this more direct fashion? There are lots of benefits for, for us, um, but the really big benefits are for the smallholders. So they changed the rules again. I think in 2019, I think they allowed you know, anyone who owned more than... I think one hectare of land was able to export their own coffee or to have their coffee exported under its own um, ICO number, under its own designation number, which is really amazing. So it means that people who, yeah, who own very, very small parcels of land are able to sell it at a really good premium, whereas before they would just have to 
do as well as they can to produce it and then sell the sell the cherry to a local washing station or part of the cooperative. Um, the other big change that that's meant is that the participation in Cup of Excellence has just exploded. Mm. So even in its first year, Cup of Excellence in Ethiopia had a record number of submissions and that number is going to increase a lot because yeah, wow. the prices they obtained for the lots that were sold at the Ethiopian Cup of Excellence were astronomical and obviously quite a lot more than they would get if they were just selling their cherry, even if it was amazing quality. Yeah, wow, so much potential. A lot of potential, yeah. It's really exciting, and um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to you know release these small lots later this year. Yeah, nice. Uh, speaking of those small producers, we've been really lucky to even over the last couple of years see um, lots from the same washing stations come through our coffee menus and our shop retail shelves. Who were some of these people that were working with in Ethiopia? Yeah, we've seen Arresta a few years in a row. Um, Arresta is owned by Testi, and Testi is an exporting company. They they're a family company. There's one brother comes from lived in Texas for many years, and I think served in the military and things like that. Um, but his family is from Ethiopia, and he started Testi with I think two of his brothers. They have some really good social programs around their washing stations that they own, and they see the the real benefit in investing in the local communities as well. Lovely. Uh, another name that's quite familiar to, I guess, us and probably to a lot of our customers would be uh, Mordekoff. Yeah, Mordekoff is uh, an amazing farm. It's, it's quite large, but Haile is really dedicated to, again, his local community and supporting them in a lot of different ways through you know, a number of things like social programs for education, but also simpler things like you know, making sure there's enough coffee stock like from the nursery to distribute around to his local community. All right. Well, thanks so much, Jason. I guess in wrapping up, um, what would you say are some of the things that sets Ethiopia apart from other coffee producing regions? Well, it's unique. I mean, we went over a few of the things, but the the varieties that they have in Ethiopia are obviously unique to Ethiopia. In other producing countries like Brazil or Vietnam or you know Central America, they, they will only have a couple, but Ethiopia's got hundreds. I think the social construction of the coffee producers is also unique. Like there, there are, you know, a lot of them are doing it in areas which are just absolutely perfect for growing coffee. You know, maybe they just need to be uncovered by Cup of Excellence competition or something like that. So I feel like there's just that huge potential in Ethiopia for, for quality and for, you know, really special gems to be uncovered there. Yeah, so exciting. Great, well, thank mm. you. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Coffee Up. I hope you enjoyed learning a little bit about Ethiopian coffee today. In our next episode, we'll be catching up with Toshi to discuss Brazil. If you like what you've been listening to, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. Thanks again, and we look forward to catching up with you for coffee soon.